Happy Friday, and welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps, a weekly, no-fluff, data-first roundup of interesting news and trends about mobile apps and games. My name is Ariel from App Figures, and I have five insights for you today. And I'm going to start with something that I haven't done in a while. Talk about, quickly, the mobile download index. There's one category that is really standing out today, and that's travel. Travel is up 23 points on the App Store and 37 points on Google Play. That's really high for a category that's been really low. I'm going to dig more into that next week, so watch out for that. Now on to the insights. My first one is TikTok, but not exactly TikTok. TikTok's video editor, CapCut, took over the App Store this week. It started slowly, but now it's at number one. While that's pretty impressive, the free video editor that's been doing quite well for a while now has really been raking the downloads. And it's been flying mostly under the radar. I've looked at it before here on the podcast, but not too, not too much and not too in-depth. Downloads reached 742,000 this Wednesday, which is the app's biggest day so far in 2021, according to our estimates. Platform-wise, about two-thirds of the downloads came from Google Play, while the rest came from the App Store. And it kind of makes sense if you think about TikTok's growth over time as well. Now, why is this interesting? It's not just about the downloads. It had a big day. Uh, 742,000 is about uh, 250,000 more than an average day for CapCut. And also, they've been getting more and more consistent downloads over the last few weeks. But that's not really what's interesting. What's interesting is that the video editor market is not a tiny one when you look at revenue. The top 10 video editors in the App Store grossed nearly $100 million in the US alone in the last year. If TikTok can deliver a decent enough editor for free, it will prove a really tough competitors for apps like Splice and Video Leap that is going to cost them millions of dollars. And TikTok has every incentive to make a more than decent app and keep it free forever because it means more content on its video platform or better content. And more content means more engagement and more engagement means more ad revenue, which really far exceeds what a video editor can make. So that's going to be a problem for those apps. Next up is Discord. Discord didn't sell to Microsoft, which wasn't actually a huge surprise considering its very healthy revenue growth. But just how much growth are we talking? Here's the thing. So far, since it started charging money, with only a few exceptions, Discord has grown its revenue month over month. It's always been on an upward trend. In 2020, it grew by 500% from just hundreds of thousands to over $3.7 million in net revenue. That's net. So after Apple and Google take their cut, if you look at it gross, it's more than $5 million. That's a lot of money. The trend continued, and that's for one month. And the trend continued in 2021 at a more moderate pace, but still pretty pretty high at 38% so far in 2021. The bottom line here is Discord isn't here to sell. It's here to grow. And it, their lack of desire to sell to Microsoft is probably probably stems from what happened to Skype. Skype sold to Microsoft, and we don't use Skype anymore. I mean, who does, right? So they decided to choose their own to choose their own path really, and I think that's great news for the millions of people who use Discord, because not only does it mean that the app is being used, it also means that more and more and more resources are gonna go into making it better. Now, to me, that signals one thing, one really obvious thing, and that is that an IPO is coming. The market for IPOs is not really doing all that hot at the moment, and I think that's why we're not gonna see it in the next month or two, but at the same time, it's going to happen. It just has to. So I'm, I'm going to look out for that. Also on my list today is Citizen. If you don't know Citizen, it's an app that crowdsources alarming local news. And if you use it, 
I've used it for maybe a few hours. It just makes you want to stay at home and never leave. It's kind of scary. And it was in the news a bunch this week because it attempted to assist the police in capturing an arsonist, but it got it wrong and had to apologize, and that was a whole thing. Now, whether the concept is right or wrong is a matter for a different newsletter, but what is interesting from my perspective is its gross revenue, which recently crossed a million dollars. It's actually 1.2 million at this point. Now, I was curious to see how the app makes money because a while back they promised that they're not gonna sell user data and they're not gonna show ads. And the revenue is actually not coming from any of those. Instead, it's coming from a new service Citizen is testing, which offers real-time help in case of trouble. Think about OnStar for cars, but for humans. The service is called Protect, and it's currently labeled as in testing, and it isn't even available to all users. But so far, enough users have used it to make a million bucks, so it's certainly in demand. And I actually didn't see that one coming at all, but considering the political climate, COVID, and really the overall weirdness we see when we head outside to the streets, I'm not terribly surprised that they moved in this direction and that they're seeing signups and revenue. I don't really know how well this can scale because ultimately there's going to be demand, but it sounds like the kind of thing that only the um, a small number of, a small percent of their users will end up wanting someone who they can call at any time in case of trouble. And even with something like OnStar for cars, it has to come built in for people to want it and want it, I put in air quotes. So we'll see how that, how that evolves. I think it's a pretty interesting trend. Another pretty interesting trend or well, maybe lack of interesting is also interesting, is Parler, the social media network that Apple kicked out of the App Store back in January uh, that talks about free speech and promises to remain as free speech, I guess, as possible, is now back. Apple allowed it back after it decided or after it announced that it would change its moderation tactics to have a moderation system. And Apple allowed it back in April, and it actually made its way back into the App Store this week. Now, what's interesting to me here is that this could be seen as a victory for the network, but at the same time, it's not exactly it because what we're seeing here is we're seeing a modified version of the platform that's going to be available on iPhones. It's not going to show the exact same um, posts. I wasn't really sure what to call them for a quick, a quick second, but it's not going to show those posts, parlays maybe? doesn't really matter. It's not going to show the same thing that you would see if you go on Android or if you see on the web. So that, on the one hand, can be seen as a victory for, from the Apple side, but can also be seen as a loss from the user side. Um, I'm not going to take sides here because I think that's less relevant. What is relevant is the numbers on the App Store. So if we look at the ranks, so far what we're seeing is not this crazy climb that I expected because so many people are flocking to Parler as, and leaving Facebook and leaving Twitter, which was exactly the case just a few months ago back in January. What we're seeing is that as of this morning, it was sitting at number seven in the news category in the US App Store and at about 1,200 overall. Now, it's been number seven in the App Store for the past three days probably, and it's been in top overall all the way on the bottom. It was actually a little bit higher in the 600s and 700s and it dipped a little bit. And so it's only going down right now. Um, not the kind of welcome party that I expected. But the question is, more than just an app was on the App Store and then Apple took it down and now Apple put it back. It's more a question of, one, how do users see this moderation that's only happening on the iPhone? And is it going to be welcome by more than just the core, the extreme people who really, really wanted to use the platform on their iPhones and didn't switch away to Android when they realized what would happen? And the other consideration for this, and that's, I think, a harder one to, to detect, but 
a more important one is is the sentiment now that people who liked Parler back before who are switching away from Twitter and switching away from Facebook are they now saying this network is not for me after all because if that's the case I bet you there's going to be someone else who's going to try and take on the completely open no questions asked type thing and fight Apple and fight Google uh, and fight Amazon for that matter and fight everyone and if that's not the case it's possible that we'll see growth over time now the ranks that they're at we estimate to add just about 10,000 downloads it's not a triumphant return at all. I don't know if that's going to change over the weekend. Maybe not enough people knew that it actually happened. I've only seen it in the news and I've been waiting for it. So that's a different thing. But maybe not enough people were aware of this. And over the weekend, word is going to spread and we'll see the numbers go up. It's possible. It's possible the next week will be the week for Parler. Um, but it's also possible that none of that is going to happen. And that's it. We now have just another competitor to Twitter who will need to build its own network in a way that's a little bit different on the iPhone than anything else. There are a lot of questions that remain open when I think of Parler, and I think they're very relevant considering we only have a handful of social media networks that everyone goes to, and as we've seen over the last few months, they wield a lot of power. And so how this evolves will really tell us how the way news is disseminated is, uh, is going to evolve and what we can do as users to consume that. A lot of a lot of open-ended questions. I'm going to keep an eye on as much as I can here, and you'll probably hear me talk about this in the future. Last but not least, in the U.S. via the CDC, we are now going back to normal because the U.S. has eliminated masks indoors and also outdoors. Or I should have flipped those. Outdoors easy. Indoors is the the more challenging part. So first thought is hooray. Um, but it's a little bit more tricky because the CDC said only people who have been fully vaccinated, meaning received both shots and waited two weeks after the second shot, only those can behave back, behave like we're back to normal. The rest need to still mask up. They need to keep social distances. And the, um, the venues that host people, like event venues, bars, restaurants, and anything else that has the sort of indoor, um, indoor thing will need to split them. So vaccinated people on one side and they can do whatever they want, back to normal, back to 2019. And unvaccinated people or partially vaccinated people are still gonna live in 2020 reality. Now that's gonna be a little bit tricky because in my mind, the first thing I'm thinking of is if you ask me if I'm vaccinated and I'm not, I don't wanna go and sit on the side where it's very not pleasant. So I'm just gonna say, of course I'm vaccinated if I don't care enough, obviously. Um, and that's a problem. That's a problem because how do the people who are in the vaccinated section know that everyone else is vaccinated? And how do the store owners or the venue owners know that this is really going to be the case? Um, and the answer is, ugh, good question, right? So the CDC left it up to the states to do whatever they want. And the state of New York decided that they're going to go with technology. And they created an app or um, made an app that is used as a vaccination passport. Now, the, there's a huge national debate about vaccination passports and some states really hate them. Some states um, are neutral. Some states, I guess, like them because it's happening in New York. And putting that aside, because I don't want to get into the politics, it's really about the downloads. That's what's interesting to me here. So if we look at the downloads for the app, which officially launched in March, um, they have been climbing steadily over the last two weeks. And on Wednesday, they hit an all-time high with 28,000 downloads based on our intelligence. Here's where it gets more interesting. In total, the app was downloaded by more than 550,000 iPhone and Android users, which if you compare against the number of residents in the states, 
is almost 3%. So almost 3% of people who live in New York State have an app that shows that they've taken that they've been vaccinated. It's not that many, but at the same time it's if you think about it, that's a lot of people. And if you think about the national debate over vaccine passports, that could be seen as uh, yeah, we need to do it because eventually tourists will come to the state and others who will need to also show that they're vaccinated. Now, here's where it gets even more, more interesting, just a little bit more. If you zoom in a little bit, because I think who's going to get a vaccine passport? The people who want to go to events, the people who want to go to Yankee games and uh, to go and see NBA games and want to have a drink at a bar. Here in the city, here, I live in New York City. So here in New York City, I think that's going to be the most necessary of all the regions here of the state. So if you divide that 550,000 people by the number of residents in the New York City area, which is much smaller, you'll grow up to about 7%. Now, 7% is a lot more significant, and I think that's going to be probably one of the, one of the arguments for having this nationwide. I don't know if that's going to happen, and I'm going to keep an eye on it, obviously, but it, if we're just plainly looking at the numbers, that's an indicator that something is going to happen. Now... I'm just going to keep it as now we can go and have a drink at a bar and go to a restaurant and go see a play and go to a Yankee game and not have to be very, very limited in what we do, which to me is a positive. And I, I'm hoping that very soon everyone will be able to do this. And to me, that's a, a positive way to end the week. So on that happy note, I'm going to say happy Friday and remind you that if you enjoyed any of the insights in this podcast, please tell your friends about it. And if you haven't subscribed, actually, you should subscribe yourself. We're available pretty much everywhere you can get a podcast these days. And if you like the insights and want to see them for any app that I didn't mention, whether it's your competitor or your friend's app, head on to appfigures.com slash intelligence to get it for yourself. We are extremely affordable here. And that's it for me. See you next week.